What do you call Batman when he skips church? Christian Bale. Come on. <laughs> he battles the forces of evil under cover of night. He's a vigilante taking justice into his own hands. He overcomes the enemy with unique tools and fascinating weapons. He operates under an assumed name. He is? No. He is Gideon. He is Gideon. See, it is, it is Gideon who operates under cover of night on at least two occasions. It, it is Gideon who's a vigilante that takes justice in his own hands, toppling the altar of Baal. It, it is Gideon that overcomes the odds with strange tools and, and weapons, torches and trumpets. It, it is Gideon who operates under an assumed name. They call him Jerubal, a nickname for Gideon. It is Gideon, this unlikely hero, by his own admissions in Judges chapter 6, verse 15. O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. I am a nobody, Lord. Why would you even bother to look at me? It is Gideon who will deliver Israel, but not in his own strength. It will be with God's almighty power and enabling. Turn to Judges, if you have your Bible, as we study this incredible man tonight, this judge in the Old Testament known as Gideon. Turn to Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7, as we continue in our Heroes Unmasked series. This is going to be our fourth hero in the series, our fourth Old Testament hero. And as you're turning there, let, let's pray together. Father, I believe in your sovereign, your sovereignty. You have had every single person here come here tonight. I believe this message is for them, for where they are in their life, what they are struggling with, where they need to be challenged, where they need to be encouraged. I pray, Lord God, that you would enable me to preach your, your word with power and conviction, and Lord, that I would just lay your word out there because it is your spirit and your word that does the work. So go before us, Lord. I pray that you weave us in and out of this incredible passage and teach us some deep spiritual truths that will change lives tonight and change lives forever. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. The stage is set for an absolute monster battle of epic proportion. And, uh, and, and, and you've got Israel, 32,000 strong, about to go up against the Midianites and the Amalekites, 135,000 strong. Verse 1 of chapter 7, Judges. Jeroboam, that is Gideon, all the people who were with him, rose early, camped beside the, the spring of Herod, and the camp of Midian was on the north side of them by the hill valley of Morah. So 32,000 soldiers gathered under the command of General Gideon, and they are sick and tired. They are tired of the enemy ransacking their country and stealing their produce and taking their livestock and subjugating and humiliating them. And they have been doing this for seven years and counting. In the valley below them is the 135,000 about ready to do it again, ransack the country. In chapter 7, verse 12, we read that the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the sons of the east were lying in the valley, numerous as locusts, and their camels are without number, as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And the number 135,000 you can find in Judges chapter 8, verse 10. That's where we get that number. So Israel is completely and totally outnumbered. What are they going to do? Verse 2. 
The Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into their hands. For Israel would become boastful, saying, My own power has delivered me. Therefore, come, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is afraid and trembling, let him return and depart from Mount Gilead. So 22,000 people returned, but 10,000 remained. You're completely outnumbered. What are you going to do? God says, cut the troops in half by more than half. Send them home. Anybody who's fearful, anybody who's trembling. And thus begins Gideon's guidelines. And the first guideline that we see is this. Less is more. Say it with me. Less is more. See, God says, I can't work with this. There's too much material. There's too much here. We need to shrink this down. See, I want you to understand an important truth here. There can be such a thing as too much and too many. In battle, numbers are everything, though. You want superior numbers in time of battle, and we'll be slaughtered with anything else, and it would be the dumbest thing possible to pare down the troops at this time. Some of you here tonight have wrong thinking, and your thinking is right along those lines. You keep thinking more is the answer. If I just had more money, everything would be okay. If I just had more connections, everything would be fine. If I just had more education and degrees, I'd be better off. And you keep saying more and more and more, not realizing less is more. More may not be the answer. Bigger is not necessarily better. Why? Verse 2, because of the danger of pride. Because when we have more, there is a real danger of pride. Think about it. Danger of more money and, and, and more possessions. Hosea 13, 6. As they had their pasture, they became satisfied. In being satisfied, their heart became what? Proud. Therefore, what happened? They forgot God. All of a sudden, I don't need God. All of a sudden, I'm comfortable. Isn't it amazing when all of a sudden we are without, we cry out to God. And when we have plenty, we forget all about God. Proverbs chapter 30 in the wisdom literature, a prayer is offered. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion. Help me be satisfied, Lord. Help me just learn contentment. That I not, that I not be full and deny you and say, who's the Lord? There's a danger of more money. I think there's a danger of more knowledge. 1 Corinthians 8.1. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes what? Arrogant. But love edifies. If I just had another degree, you, you know these people. They're, they're like lifelong students. They never get out of school. They get another degree and another. Now, I'm not against education. okay? I, I believe everybody needs a good education. All right? But you got to make sure your motives are right. Make sure your motives are right if you're going to continue studying, if you're going to get another degree, if you're going to do something. Make sure it is not an issue of pride and, and, and having a DR period before your name or something. Just be very, very careful. There's a danger of more money. There's a danger of more knowledge. There's a danger of more strength. King Uzziah is an example of that in Second Chronicles 26. 
He prepared for all the army shields and spears and helmets and body armor, bows and sling stones. And in Jerusalem, he made engines of war invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners of the, for the purpose of shooting arrows and great stones. And, and hence his fame spread far and he was marvelously helped until he was strong. Verse 16. But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly and he was unfaithful to the Lord his God. Greater strength and greater success could be your undoing, just like it was this man's undoing. Less, you know what less does? Less encourages a, a humble God dependency. That's what I need, that's what you need. M more can, can, can just give this, this sinful self-reliance that it's all about us. Be careful. So what does God say? Thin the ranks. Thin them down. Whoever's afraid and trembling, let them return. So 22,000 people return, 10,000 remain. Dismiss the fearful. They're following the law of Moses in Deuteronomy 28. It's exactly what they were told to do. The officer shall speak thus to the people who is the man who's afraid and faint-hearted. Let him depart and return to his home so that he may not make his brother's hearts melt with fear. Fearful soldiers would infect and affect the rest of the troops. Send them home. Why? Because God would rather have a few with courage than a multitude of cowards any day. God would rather have a few with courage than a multitude of cowards any day. So, so here's the question. Are you of the few or are you of the multitude? Are you one of the few that would stand up for God and be courageous in this culture and in this world in which we live? And say, I will take a stand for God. I am a child of God. I don't care which way the wind blows. What does God say? Or are you one of the cowards that backs away and is fearful of what people think instead of what God thinks? Do not be a part of the majority who are cowards. Be a part of the faithful few courageous. That's who God wants. And that's who God can use to shake the world. The result, 22,000 leave. Talk about thinning the ranks. How about we say decimating the ranks? More than half take early retirement. They decide today's not a good day to die. Thin the ranks. Okay, now what do I do? Look at verse 4 through 8. Thin them again. You've got to be kidding me. The Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I'll test them for you there. Therefore, it shall be that the one whom I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go with you. Every one of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, You shall separate everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, as well as everyone who kneels to drink. Now, the number of those who lap putting their hand to their mouth was what? 300. All the rest of the people, that's 9,700, kneeled to drink. Now, it was time for a water test. Now, this is really interesting. Because sometimes God uses regular, ordinary means to test us. You don't even know God is testing you. It's just a regular, ordinary thing. And he wants to know how you're going to respond. And how you're going to handle this. More than one prospective employee has ruined their chance to be hired. 
failing to realize when they were asked to drive the boss around, they were being evaluated. When they were asked to sit down for a lunch or dinner, it was all about them being evaluated. I love how Marsden put it. Make every occasion a great occasion, for you can never tell when somebody may be taking your measure for a larger place. You don't know what's going on. Be a man or woman of integrity, and you give it your best at every moment because you don't know the test that you are undergoing. So what happens? It's time to watch 10,000 people drink water. Can you imagine this? Gideon, okay, I want you to watch 10,000 guys drink water water. That's what we're going to do. And the guys who take their hands and bring the water to their mouth, you separate them from everybody else who just gets down on their all fours and just puts their face in the water and just drinks away. And you can just see, think about this. Gideon's there, okay. Sam, you're over here. Joe, there. Frank, you're over here. Jim, hope you get this right. Oh, Jim, you're over there. <laughs> I mean, think about it. 10,000 guys. And this is a lake, which is, which is not true to form. It would have been a stream. But, but the picture of the guys is accurate. Now, some believe, why was this used? Some believe, well, the hand to the mouth would have shown that those guys were more alert and competent, and they had a greater awareness of their surroundings and focus, and so they would have made better soldiers. And this 9,700 that just dropped to their knees just kind of made themselves vulnerable through caution to the wind and, you know, whatever. It was about convenience. But, but we're not told that. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. May, maybe it was just a simple, unassuming way of God sifting the army. We're not sure. But the result... 300, hand to mouth, 9,700 on their knees. And what does God say? I'll take the 300, kind of like Jeopardy. I'll take soldiers hand to mouth for 300. <laughs> Here we go, game time. God has his team. He sends 9,700 home. You've got to be kidding me. 9,700, and if I'm them, I'm like, can we just keep them on reserve just in case? We might need them. No. I just want the 300. Send everybody else home. So out of the 10,000, 97% are dismissed. Now you have less than 1% of the original 32,000. Less than 1%. You're only left with 300. There's 12 to 1,300 chairs in here. You're only left with a third to a fourth of it. Against 135,000. You may say, well, how big is that? The city of Joliet is 147,000. So give or take. So we're going to go out tonight and wipe out Joliet. Do I hear an amen? <laughs> I mean, I want you to get a picture of this. 300 guys against 135,000. The city of Joliet. It is a 450 to 1 ratio. That's what it is. For every one guy, he's got to take on 450 people. You know what God says? I like that ratio. That's my kind of ratio. What? Why would God say that's my kind of ratio? Because now God can only get the glory. He wants the glory, people. He deserves the glory. He is God, not you and I. You know, something I have prayed about this church for the last 20 years, and I pray it consistently, that God would do something so special here, only he could get the glory. That God would do something so special here, only God could.
could get the glory. That's how we need to live our lives. God, do something so special, only you can get the glory. We have good reminders. Israelites wandering in the wilderness soon enter the promised land in Deuteronomy 20. When you go out to battle against the enemies and you see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, how are we going to do it? Do not be afraid for the Lord your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt is what? He's with you. Do you know what he is? He's a good, good father. That's who he is. He's a good, good father. And he's going to take care of you. Jonathan to his armor bearers in 1 Samuel 14. For the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. We learned it last week. One plus God is a what? A majority. One plus God is a majority. You have nothing to fear. Thin the ranks. Thin the ranks again. And what is he left with? A lean, mean, fighting machine. Look at verse 8. So the 300 men took the people's provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and Gideon sent out all the other men of Israel, each to his tent, but retained the 300, and the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. He gives them what? Trumpets. (laughs) This is the kind of trumpet he would have given them, a shofar. When I first read that, I thought, God, at least give them a trombone. It's got reach, you know. (laughs) Just gives them a trumpet. That's it. A ram's horn. And they wave goodbye to the 9,700. And as the 9,700 are leaving, you got to think they're talking under their breath. Boy, is this going to be a slaughter. Glad I get to go home. And the 300 behold this vast horde of the enemy laid out in the valley below them. But the 300 are the stout-hearted men of courage, committed to God, committed to Gideon, the cream of the crop, less is more. It is quality over quantity is what you have here. Gideon's guidelines, the first is less is more. Secondly, listen and learn. Say it with me. Listen and learn. And, And God wants Gideon to hear an important conversation. He wants to encourage him. And a little encouragement can go a long way in your life and in my life. And so he wants this encouragement in Gideon's life. Verse 9. Now the same night it came about that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I've given it into your hands. Here's your charge. Go. But if you are afraid, do you think he's afraid? You better believe it. If you're afraid to go down, go with Puri, your servant, down to the camp, and you'll hear what they say. And afterward, your hands will be strengthened that you may go down against the camp. So he went with Pura, his servant, down to the outposts of the camp that was in the camp. And and now the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the sons of the east are lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. Their camels without number as numerous as sand of the seashore. They're everywhere. When Gideon came, he had to work up courage just to do this. When Gideon came, behold, a man was relating a dream to his friend. And he said, behold... I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread was tumbling into the camp of Midian. It came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and it turned it upside down and so the tent lay flat. And his friend replied, this, this is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given Midian and all the camp into his hand. So God says, prepare to do battle. And now I have some encouragement for you. I know that you're fearful and so if you're fearful, take your servant and go. Why your servant? 
because two sets of ears. You need two sets of ears to hear what's going on so that you can confirm you've heard correctly. And so you know what this is? It's time for enemy eavesdropping. So he takes his servant, he goes to the camp, and they listen in on this conversation and talk about being strengthened. Now, this is the amazing thing to go, uh, about God. God has already promised Gideon four times that this victory was his. Four times, over and over and over and over again. Judges 6.14, the Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength, deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Verse 16 of chapter 6, the Lord said to him, Surely I'll be with you. You shall defeat Midian as one man. Chapter 7, verse 7, the Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with the 300 who laughed and will give the Midianites into your hands. Judges 7.9, now the same night it came, the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp. I've given it into your hand. Four times. Do you not get this, Gideon? Have you ever gotten so frustrated with your kids? I've told you once. I've told you a million times. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you following me? Not only has he told them this, he's already given them multiple signs. Fire from a rock. Remember, Gideon, would you wet the fleece? Okay, I'll wet the fleece. Would you dry the fleece? He dries the fleece. He's given him four promises, three signs. If I were God, I'd be like, what is your problem, dude? You know how gracious God is? Do you know how patient God is with Gideon when he's fearful, when he lacks faith, when he's not trusting? Do you know how patient God is with me and with you? when we're fearful, we're not trusting, and we're scared, and we know what God has said, and we've seen God come through, and we know he's a good, good father. He's also a very patient father. He's also a very gracious father. And that's what he is with Gideon right now. He says, Gideon, I I don't have to do this. But I'm going to encourage you again. I want you to go down to that camp and I want you to listen. And he goes. And, and, and he hears this dream, a loaf of barley bread. What is that? It's the poor man's bread. And, and, and it's the first crop of the harvest. And it tumbles in the camp. More than likely, it's a stale, hard, round loaf rolling into the camp. So Gideon, you're a loaf of stale bread. Get over it. He utterly wipes out the tent. It falls. It turns it upside down. It flattens it. And and he listens to the interpretation of this other guy. This is the sword of Gideon. He knows of Gideon. We're dead meat. God has given all of us over into his hand. We're vanquished. And Gideon cannot believe what his ears are hearing. The enemy camp is thick with fear. They know me. They're scared of me. They know God. They're scared of God. They're convinced of defeat. God is working behind the scenes. Some of you need to understand this. You only see on the outside. You're not seeing what God is doing behind the scenes. He is sovereign. He is working his will. He's lining it up. He's the master chessman. You need to trust God's work and what he's doing behind the scenes. What you think is defeat is future victory is what God is doing. And and the miracle of this encouragement 
A dream is given to this guy, and Gideon is directed to the right tent at the perfect timing, and he's undetected and protected. And the revelation is amazing. The people that Gideon fears, they fear him even more. There are people in your life, you are so intimidated by them, and you don't realize how insecure they are. You have no reason to fear them. Do not fear man. The fear of man brings a snare, what scripture says. Do not fear men. You let them be fearful. You let them be insecure. You have no reason to fear people. And he listens. And as he listens to this conversation, his courage battery is just recharging. And the longer he listens, the stronger the charge. Gideon's guidelines. Less is more. Listen and learn. Here's the third guideline of Gideon. Say it with me. Attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. Look at verse 15. When Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, he just drops to his knees. He bows in worship. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the camp of Midian into your hands. I want you to think about the attitude here. First, there's an attitude of humility. He's so humble and he worships his God. Gideon can't believe this. He just, he just worships him on the spot. I love how Warren Wearsby put this. Before we can be successful warriors, we must first become sincere worshipers. That's good. Before you can be a successful warrior, you must be a sincere worshiper. Drop to your knees. When you hear of good news, give God the praise. When something takes place and God gives you insight or something special, our first response should be to be humble before God and thank him. And, and that's what Gideon does. There's a second thing we see here about an attitude, not only an attitude of humility, but an attitude of confidence. He goes back to the camp of Israel. Arise, for the Lord has given the camp of Midian into your hands. It's time to act. It's time to go. Now is the time. His courage battery fully charged. His confidence tank is topped off. God has filled it up. And he says, the Lord's given us victory. I don't care how few we are. God's going to do it. I don't care how many they are. God is going to do it. See, listen, his confidence is not in numbers. It's not in power. His confidence is not in strategy. His confidence is not in, in the latest and greatest technology or weapons. His confidence is not in leaders. His confidence is in God. His confidence is in God. His confidence is in the promise of God. His confidence is in the word of God. See, some of you have misplaced confidence. You have confidence, well, in the numbers and in the strategy and in what's new and in the technology and in the connections. And you're forgetting where you're confident. You have misplaced confidence. Place your confidence in God and his holy word. What has his word promised you? Stand on the promises of God. What does his word say? That's all that matters. It's not about strategy or weapons or numbers or connections. It's about God. We don't need more of that. We need more of God. Get into the word of God. Study the word of God. Know the word of God. That's what we're doing tonight. 
We're digging into the Word of God. Do this on your own. Turn off the internet. Put the newspaper away. Turn off the dumb phone. And pick up the Bible. And say, teach me, God. I need to know your promises and understand your word and dig into the word of the living God. That's where your confidence will go through the roof. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Confidence is contagious. His confidence is infectious. It's going to impact the entire army, these 300 people. His team will feed off the confidence of the leader. Listen carefully. The strength of the leader is the strength of the team. Everything rises and falls on leadership. You need to lead your family in the confidence of God. You need to lead your children in the confidence of God. You need to take them on this journey of faith with you. Your teammates, your classmates, your coworkers, your neighbors, take them on this journey of faith with you. Teach them, infuse them to look to God because they're looking at everything else in this world and it's confusing and it's lies and it goes nowhere. Take people on the faith journey to look to God. An attitude of humility and an attitude of confidence, but I want you to understand how different this man is now. He used to be a coward. And now he's a man of courage. I want you to get this. God makes a doubter into a general. What do you mean by that? Well, it wasn't very long ago that, that Gideon was hiding in the wine press from the Midianites. Judges chapter 6, 11, Gideon was beating out the wheat in the wine press in order to save it from the Midianites. He's scared to death of him. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Is Gideon a valiant warrior there? not on your life. Listen carefully. Do not miss this. God sees what you will become, not what you presently are. God sees what you will become, not what you presently are. Become the person God sees you to be. Don't, don't worry about your past. Your tainted past and the mistakes you made and the sin, don't let that hold you back. Jesus Christ breaks those chains. Become the person God, what God wants you to be. Change is possible. Change is possible for anyone and everyone. Let God change you. Let God change you. Less is more. Listen and learn. Attitude is everything. Here's another Gideon guideline. Different is good. Different is good. Different is good as long as God is in it. Different is good as long as God is in it. Look at verse 16. He divides the 300 men into three companies and puts trumpets and empty pitchers into their hands of all of them and tortures inside the pitchers. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I and all who are with me blow the trumpet, then you also blow the trumpets all around the camp and say, for the Lord and for Gideon. Now, now this is a little different. He divides his already minuscule army. Hello. He's going to divide it up again. And then he issues the weapons. Oh, this is a little different. You're giving me what? A, a trumpet and a pitcher. Yeah, that's what I'm going to give you. Okay, are you sure about this? A trumpet and a torch and a pitcher? I don't, I don't get this. Can you imagine taking a group of Marines and they're about ready to go out and fight ISIS and say, here guys, here's a trumpet and a pitcher. It ain't gonna fly. 
you're going to get some choice words, okay? And they're going to have some serious concerns. I mean, if I were these guys, I'd be like, where's the sword? Where's the bow? Where's the spear? You know, and nowadays, where's my bazooka? Where's my machine gun? Empty pitchers? At least let's fill them with explosives or something. How about the strategy's a little different, too? Blow your trumpet and scream. How's that sound for you guys? 135,000 against the 300, just blow your trumpet and scream. And follow my example. Do as I do. So, so at least he's going into the battle with him and not staying out on some hilltop saying, hey guys, well, go ahead. Good luck to you. At least he's in there as a good leader. And, but what a crazy example this is. I mean, what kind, what kind of harebrained idea is this? Whose strategy is this? God's. It's God's. Different is good when God is in it. You just make sure God is in it. And then you yell out my name. Oh, man, is he an egomaniac? Yell out your name with God's? Why are you telling us to do that? Uh, very clearly, because they fear Gideon. They know his name. And so Gideon says, they know my name, they fear my name, use my name against them. Yell out my name and yell out God's name and let them be so fearful of what God is about to do. Man, it's amazing. Pastor Mickey strikes fear in the hearts of men. It'd be like, for the Lord and for Pastor Mickey. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That's what they're doing. Trust God. Trust God's will, even when it doesn't make sense. Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts, yeah, it's amazing, whoa. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Listen carefully. Do not assume textbook strategy for your life. Do not just follow the expert's advice. Well, you know, the latest self-help book, or Oprah says, or Dr. Oz, or whoever... You know, my friends say this, my parents say that. Uh, hold on, time out. What does God say? Because that's all that matters. What does the Bible say? What does God's wisdom say? That's the only thing that matters. Stop with the experts say, and so and so says, and get back to what God says, and do it God's way. And let him prove to you that he is a good, good father. And that's who he is. And that's who he is. Less is more. Listen and learn. Attitude's everything. Different is good. One more guideline from Gideon. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Verse 19 through the end of the chapter. Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the middle of the middle, at the beginning of the middle watch. That's 10, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. in the morning. You're talking in the middle of the night. When they had just posted the watch, they blew the trumpets, smashed the pitchers that were in their hands. When the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers, they held the torches in their left hands, the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And, and each stood in his place around the camp. And all the army ran, crying out as they fled. When they blew 300 trumpets, the Lord set the sword of one against another, even throughout the whole army. 
The army fled as far as Bethshida towards Azera and, and far as the edge of Abel Mehela and, and by Tabith. And the men of Israel were summoned from Naphtali, Asher, Manasseh, and they pursued Midian. And Gideon sent messengers throughout all the hill country of Ephraim saying, Come down against Midian. Take the waters before them as far as Bethbara and the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were summoned and they took the waters as far as Bethbara and the Jordan and they captured the two leaders of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb by the rock of Oreb. They killed Zeb at the winepress of Zeb while they pursued Midian and they, they brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon from across the Jordan. So they, they blow the trumpets. They smash the pitchers. It's in the middle of the night, pitch dark. They're holding the torches. They're yelling out. And in verse 21, it says, each stood in his place around the camp. They didn't run down. They stood with their light and they yelled out. I want you to get this. Sometimes you don't have to do as much as you think you have to do for victory. Sometimes you think it's all up to you and I got to do and I got to be and I got to go and I got to, it's all this energy, I've got to. You know what? Sometimes all you got to do is speak up and let your light shine. All you got to do is speak up and let your light shine. And some of you need to do that. You need to speak up in your neighborhood and at your school and on your team and among your family and you need to speak up and let your light shine and let God give the victory. Just speak up and let your light shine. God will fight the battle for you. I want you to understand what's taking place among the enemy camp. It's pitch black. It's the middle of the night. All of a sudden, the blast of 300 trumpets blaring in the middle of the night. The shattering of 300 clay pitchers echoing throughout the valley. This burst of 300 torches illuminating the night sky. And this thunderous battle cry of 300 men yelling out the name of Gideon and God. And fear and confusion and panic ensue in, among this 135,000. And they start hacking at everything and anyone. They think they're being ambushed. The survivors that flee this vast chaos of confusion look for an escape route and then they, they flee in the direction of the Jordan. And this is where all those guys that were formally dismissed, woohoo, now it's your time to get part of the action. And they are called now to the battle. Word is sent to join the battle. And a landmark victory in the history of all of Israel takes place this night. And it ushers in 40 years of peace for the people of God. Gideon's guidelines made such a difference in his life. Let Gideon's guidelines make a difference in your life. What are they? Say them with me. Less is more. Listen and learn. Attitude is everything. Different is good. Trust and obey. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this man and how you transformed him. And we thank you for your patience with him and your graciousness with him. We thank you for your patience with us and how gracious you are with us. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. As a believer in Jesus Christ here tonight, just talk to your Heavenly Father. 
Talk to them maybe about a commitment that you need to make. Maybe it's an attitude of worship or confidence. Maybe it's not taking the advice of people, but God's holy word. Maybe you've been relying on more of a lot of things instead of more of God. And he is the one that you need more of. More time in prayer with him. More time in his word. More time with his people that will encourage you spiritually. Talk to the Lord right now. Thank him for being a good, good father. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You may be here tonight. You've been a religious person. You go to church from time to time, but tonight you realize something about God, something fresh, something new that you've never known before. That th this is not about being religious. This is about knowing God personally. And tonight you realize you need a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need your sins forgiven. I've got such great news for you. He will wash your sins away. He will forgive you of every wrong you've ever done. And you may say, Scott, that's what I want. I, I want to know God. I want him to be a part of my life. I, I want to follow him. Well, then I would encourage you in the quietness of your heart just to call out to him right now in faith. Just call out to him. Use words like these, Lord, please save me from my sin. Thank you for loving me. Lord, I, I need forgiveness for all the wrong that I've done. I, I repent, I turn from my sin, and I turn to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for dying for my sins. I place my faith in you to save me. I can't save myself. Only you can save me. Forgive me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.